بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محتثاتها وكل محتثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار uh, So we start today another topic, another series of lessons uh, and the title of this lecture series is الحياة الطيبة في القرآن في القرآن الكريم which is the goodly life, the goodly life, as mentioned, as described in the noble Qur'an. So this is uh, a short book, uh, maybe 10 or 11 chapters or so, and it discusses the topic of a good life. What is a good life? And how do you live a good life? And what are the benefits, what are the fruits and benefits of living a good life as explained in the Qur'an. And no doubt every single person, you know, on the face of this earth, he wants to have a good life. He wants to live a good, wholesome life. And when a person, you know, as, as some of the scholars explain, uh, that if we narrow down the key thing that every single person is seeking, how can we narrow it down to one thing? And some of the scholars like Ibn Hazm in some of their books, uh, they explain that that one thing is anxiety or worry. Right? So we can put it in this way that, that every single person is seeking to remove anxiety and worry from his or her life. Right? That's the goal of everybody. So, uh, so that is part and parcel of having a good, wholesome, enjoyable life. And so this is the topic that we are going to discuss because everybody seeks this, uh, everybody desires this, even disbelievers desire what they believe to be a good, wholesome life, even though they are, you know, in, in their disbelief, in Allah, disbelief in His messengers, disbelief in the last day, disbelief in paradise, disbelief in hellfire, you know, upon the disbelief in all of these affairs, then that life that they envisage is a goodly life, is in fact only a play and amusement, as is described in the Quran. Right? So we need to understand what is a good life, and how do we live a good life, how do we you know, achieve the real life, what Allah describes as the true and real life. How do we achieve that in this life and the next? So these are some of the topics, inshallah ta'ala, that we are going to discuss uh, by way of the verses of the Qur'an and by way of the explanations of the Mufassireen, uh, At-Tabari, and, you know, others, uh, you know, some of the, the, the Imams of Ahl-Sunnah, Ibn Al-Qayyim, and other than them. So inshallah we are going to do that for the for the remaining uh, series of these lessons. So in this first lesson what we are going to do inshallah ta'ala is to grasp this topic we have to understand the terms. We have to understand the definitions of the terms. First of all what is life? Al-hayat, what is life? What are the linguistic meanings of this word? And how has Allah Zawajal described life in the Quran? And likewise, tayyibah, tayyibah, tayyib, what is tayyib, which we translate as, you know, that which is good, that which is wholesome. What is the meaning of this word? And what what is the linguistic meaning of this word? And how has it been described in the Qur'an? And likewise, the world, ad-dunya, the world. What is the world and what is the reality of this world? So that will be 
uh, a second chapter inshallah ta'ala that we'll, that we'll start looking in uh, the next lesson so this lesson then is about definitions understanding these definitions so we have a good thorough grasp of these terms and so we're going to start with uh, in the introduction to, to this book is what is the linguistic meaning of the word al-hayat which we translate as life so in simple terms life is simply the opposite of death it's the opposite of death naqidul maut and there are numerous arabic terms i won't mention them all um, you know hayawan alhi uh, 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 and and the verbs hayya hayya yahayyu yahya these are all words in the arabic uh, language uh, which derive from this root and so we can explain and expand upon this this uh, summary definition the opposite of death we can explain expand this a bit more through the speech of ar-raghib al-aswahani in his dictionary and he basically explains that this word has six meanings right there are six meanings to the word al-hayat which we translate as life so the first of those meanings is we can ex- summarize it or explain it as basically the inherent growth that you find in plants and in animals right the fact that something has the ability to grow the capacity to grow and so plants have this ability animals have this ability right they all have something inside of them that is already pre-programmed and it has the ability to grow and this is something that we see upon the earth we see you know when we look at the earth allah revives the earth and herbage grows fruits grow crops grow and this is something that we see right so there are a number of ayat in the quran i'lamu anna allah yuhyi al-ardh ba'da mawtiha no have knowledge that allah revives the earth after its death and similarly the statement of allah azza wa jal rizqan lil'ibad wa ahyayna bihi baldatan mayta that allah azza wa jal he revives an earth a land which is dead and you know when he revives that dead land then provision comes out of it wa ja'alna min al-ma'i kulla shay'in hayy and we made from live from water every living thing so the first meaning then in general is it life refers to uh, the ability or the capacity of plants and animals to grow right to some inherent uh, ability or power that allah zawjal has put in living things the second meaning so so the first meaning is something that we don't really see it's just a power that's in there right so for example if i if i held a seed in my hand and showed you the seed there is like a latent power right a latent power power that is in there but we can't really see right this is a latent power that's the first meaning right a power that we don't really see but it's actually in there and we see it come out when allah zawajal you know he sends down the rain and with other things like air and water and soil then we see that coming out similarly we could say that in the sperm of a man and the ovum of a woman there is some latent there's some power within there but it only manifests when you know when when a child is actually born a, a product of the two of the, of these two things right so the first is latent power the second is alquwa alhasasa right so this now is power that we actually see with with the senses we physically perceive it and we feel it with the senses so and uh so this is what we call uh life and so this would be everything that we see which actually has life which is you know human beings animals plants trees the the physical things that we see they all represent life so again similar ayat in the quran alam naj'alil ardh kifata ahya'an wa amwata 
And uh, likewise, when Allah when He revives the earth, Indeed, the one who revives the earth, gives life to the earth, He is the one who will give life to the dead. Indeed, He is powerful over all things. And so, in this ayah that I just mentioned, both of these two types of power have been mentioned. Right? So first of all, in fact, in, the, in this ayah, in Surah Fussilat, verse number 39, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنَّكَ تَرَى الْعَرْضَ خَاشِعَةً That from his signs you see the earth, you see the earth silent, humble, right? And then when we send down the rain, then the earth com- it basically comes to life, and it, it grows, right? And indeed, the one who gave life to the earth in this manner, is the one who is going to give life to the dead. So in this verse, the, these first two types of the meaning of life are mentioned. Because the first meaning is the latent power. So for example, in the earth, you see dead earth, there's no life. But it has the capacity to bring out life, right? In the soil and whatever else. So when it rains, then you'll see the grass, you'll see you know things growing. Right, so this is the latent power, you know, which which is the life in in the earth, and secondly, indeed, the one who gave it life will give life to the dead, right? So now the dead people, the dead humans, Allah Zawajal, He will He will raise them physically, right? And we will see that physical uh, uh, life, right? So this now is the physical the, the life that we perceive and we see and we experience. Right, so these these are now two meanings of life. Right, one which is, as I said, like in something inherently, it's latent, and uh, like an inward power. And the second one is what we actually physically see, you know, in terms of the, of the various types of uh, life, various types of living things. The third meaning is really speaking about the life of the heart. The life of the heart. Right, so we're not speaking about the physical life, the fact that you are living, breathing, you, even your heart, it's pumping blood, right? All of this is just the physical aspect of it, right? This is the, these are the physical mechanisms of life. But there's another meaning of life which is the, al-aqila, uh, right? So this is speaking about the heart, and its ability to understand, its ability to, to know things, right? This is, this is another meaning of, of life. So in the Quran, man kana maytan is the one who is dead, whom we then gave life. This is not speaking about a physically dead person given life, it's speaking about a person whose, whose heart was dead. Right, who was upon misguidance, who couldn't see, who couldn't understand. And then Allah gave his heart life. And then he was able to see the truth and know the truth and understand the truth. And you know, with with with, with knowledge and with understanding. So here this type of life, as as we see in a line of poetry, uh which means that if you were to call a living person, you could cause him to hear. A living person, not mean like a living person breathing, whatever, but a living person in his heart. <coughs> right? If you, if you call a living person whose heart is listening and is willing to understand and is able to understand, then you, you will, you will be able to call him and invite him to guidance. Right? But there is no life for the one whom you are calling. In other words, there are some people, they, they have no life in the heart. And even though you try to call them, they are just simply not going to listen. So this third meaning really is more of a, it's like uh, the intellect and the understanding, you know, what the heart does, uh, aside from just the physical, mechanical, you know, thing that, that we know that it does, that pumps blood and whatever else. Right? This is just a basic common understanding. But the heart does more than that. Right? It, uh, it understands. Okay, now the fourth meaning of life, the fourth meaning of life that we find 
from a linguistic point of view, is when anxiety is removed. Right, like I mentioned at the beginning. Which is irtifa'ul ghamm. Ibaratun an irtifa'il ghamm. It is an expression that refers to when anxiety is removed from you. So in other words, there is a meaning to life which means that you're living life free from anxiety, free from stress. Right? So this is real life. And any person who is full of anxiety, full of stress, full of worry, full of grief, and he has all of these illnesses of, of the soul and of the heart, right? This person is not living. This person is not living. So this is another meaning of the word life. The poet, he said, لَيْسَ مَنْ مَاتَ فَاسْتَرَاحَ بِمَيْتٍ إِنَّمَا الْمَيْتُ مَيْتُ الْأَحْيَاء Which means that the one who dies... And then he dies and he reaches, uh, he becomes, uh, um, you know, relaxed and he's at ease because death has taken him away from the hardships of, of, um, you know, uh, of life, right? So, uh, this person who dies, he's not really dead. Well, do you understand what, he, what the poet, poet is saying? The poet is saying that the person who dies, and then he, in his death, he basically now reaches uh, satisfaction and ease, right? He's relaxed in his death. Why? Because he lived a good life. And he's escaped all of the trials of life. So when this person dies, he has not really died. He's not really dead. Rather, he's now living. And on the other hand, the dead person, the actual dead person, is the one who is dead while alive, while he is alive. So some people, when they die, they become alive. Why? Because they have escaped the anxiety and the grief, and they lived a wholesome, good life upon iman, righteous deeds. So then they die, and now in this death, they have now reached ease and satisfaction, and all the grief has gone. So they, they, they haven't actually died. This person is not the dead person. This person is actually the living person. But on the other hand, there are those people who are alive. And whilst, whilst they are alive, they are dead. Why are they dead? Because it, their life is full of uh, anxiety, stress, grief, worry. right? And these things arise either because of calamities uh, that fall upon them, because of their sins, or because of trials. And because of these types of reasons. So this now is a, is, is a fourth linguistic meaning to the word life. What do we mean life? Right? Life is freedom from anxiety. Freedom from worry. The fifth meaning of life is referring to the eternal life in the hereafter. The eternal life in the hereafter. And so this type of life, how do you reach this eternal life? This eternal life in the hereafter, you reach it by way of knowledge and by way of reason. You use your reason to do that which will earn you this eternal life in the hereafter. Right? In other words, the, the, the life in the hereafter is different to the life in this world. It is eternal, it never ends. And Allah Azawajal, He says in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اسْتَجِيبُوا لِلَّهِ وَلِلرَّسُولِ إِذَا دَعَاكُمْ لِمَا يُحْيِيكُمْ Look at this verse. O you who believe, respond to Allah and His Messenger when He invites you to that which will give you life. Right? So, the messenger is calling us to that which will give us life in this world and also eternal life in the hereafter. Right? That life which will never end and never cease. And another clear verse is in Surah, Surah Al-Fajr, right at the very end, when the person, you know, who uh, is, is going to be punished 
and he's going to be tied up in chains and he's about to be punished, he says, Ya laytani qaddamtu lihayati. He says, Woe be to me, if only I had put something forward for my life. What's he referring to? Meaning his life in the hereafter. Because his life in the hereafter now is going to be eternal. In eternal punishment in this case. Right? So life in the hereafter is eternal. And, um, you know, it, it is different to the life of this world. This is the fifth meaning of life then. Life in the hereafter. And the sixth meaning of life is in fact that life which Allah Azza wa Jal, the Creator, is described with. Right? This is the complete, the perfect life in which there are no deficiencies and death can, which death cannot over, overcome or overtake. This is the life which is the attribute of Allah Azza wa Jal. And you know, as, as we read in uh, Ayatul Kursi, Allahu la ilaha illahu al-hayyul qayyum. Al-hayyul qayyum. Right? Allah, there is none worthy of worship besides Him. Uh, there is none worthy of worship uh, besides Him, except Him. And He is al-hayy. And al-qayyum. Al-hayy meaning the ever-living, who is perfect in His life. And so, this now is the sixth meaning of life, and obviously this is the most perfect and complete meaning of life, which belongs only to Allah Azza wa Jal. So these are basically six linguistic meanings of the word life, and there are a number of other ways we can also explain life as well. So for example, um, one definition is that life is an attribute which brings about knowledge and power in a thing. This is just another way of defining life. right? Life is an attribute from which come the attributes of life, uh, uh, sorry, of uh, knowledge, al-ilm wal-qudra. Al-ilm wal-qudra. So every living thing has knowledge and power or ability, right? And obviously this will be different for every living thing. So for example, an insect has a certain amount of awareness or knowledge about you know, its own functions and about the surroundings and it has a certain amount of qudra, right? Like a spider has a certain amount of qudra which Allah has given to it. Right, which is suitable for whatever Allah Zawajal, you know, created it for. So every living thing has these two qualities. This is another way of defining what is life. Whatever has ilm and qudra, then it is, it is living. It has life. That's another way of basically describing, um, the word life. And also, you know, sometimes when we give uh, greetings to each other, we say, Hayyak Allah, what is the meaning of this? It simply means, may Allah grant you life. May Allah give you life. And another meaning of at-tahiyyah, as we say, at-tahiyyatu lillah, another meaning is that this means to uh, mulk, authority. Uh, this would mean, um, you know, at-tahiyyatu uh, lillah, all authority belongs to Allah. Um, also, we have the name Yahya, Yahya, and this is a, a unique name, Indeed, we give you glad tidings of a child whose name will be Yahya. Yahya. What is the meaning of this word Yahya? Al-Raghib al-Asfahani, he said that, um, that he has been named with this name, Yahya, because he did not kill himself by way of sins. He did not commit sins and thereby, you know, cause himself to die. I mean, he caused his heart to die, cause his soul to die. And so hence his name is Yahya, the one with life, meaning that he did not commit sins. 
uh, as opposed to most of the sons of Adam, they basically annihilate themselves, they destroy themselves, and they kill themselves by way of sin. So he is he is a, another meaning of the word, you know, Yahya, freedom of sins. So from all of this, putting all of this together, you now should have a good understanding that the word, that the linguistic meaning of the word Hayat or life, it revolves around all of these different meanings. And as you can see, as you can imagine that life itself is, is itself, it takes on different forms and different levels, even amongst the, the creatures, right? So the life of a microbe, for example, or the life of an ant, or the life of a spider, or the life of a snake, or the life of, say, a sheep, all of these are different, right? And life of a plant as well. Plants have, have life as well. But plants do not have souls, right? So there is a life which has a soul, and there is life which doesn't have a soul, right? Plants do not have souls. So, meaning that what life is, it's not just one thing, right? Allah is the creator of life, and He gives different things, different beings, different forms and types of life. But the most complete life, the most perfect life, is the attribute of life which 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 Allah Azawajal that He has, because He is not in need of anything, He's not dependent upon anything, right? So His is the most perfect life. So this is the linguistic meaning of the word life. What about so we have al-hayat? What about al-tayyiba? al which is the good, the good life, or the, what that which is good. So what is the meaning of the word al-tayyib? Al-tayyib is mufailin min al-fi'li taba. Al-tayyib is basically the the ism ism al-fa'il, which is the uh, you know the the name of the uh, the doer of the of of the verb, the action of the verb, and so essentially this means ladha wazaka, ladha wazaka, which means ladha, which means to experience delight, wazaka, which means to grow, right, pleasure and growth, to have pleasure and to grow. And then we can get an idea of the meaning, linguistic meaning, from many different examples which are given. So, for example, فَانْكِحُوا فَانْكِحُوا مَا طَابَ لَكُمْ Marry, marry those which are مَا طَابَ لَكُمْ Those which are halal and wholesome. Marry of the women which are halal and wholesome. And likewise, when something is halal, فَكُلُوا مِمَّا رَزَقَكُمُ اللَّهُ حَلَالًا طَيِّبًا Right? So again, طَيِّب That which is halal, that which is lawful. Likewise, وَطَابَتْ نَفْسُهُ Is when a person's soul, it expands and his, his chest is expanded. Right? So this is another meaning of the word طَابَ Meaning to grow and expand. وَطَابَتِ الْأَرْضِ the earth became good, meaning that it produced vegetation. It produced growth. Something came out of it. It grew. Right? It gave growth. Um, likewise, ta'aman, tayyiban, food which is wholesome, good, uh, children which are uh, giving birth to children which are good. Um, also, from the meanings is atabun, which is like a type of date in Medina, a date which is wholesome and good, right, nutritious. We also have atib. Atib refers to something from which a nice fragrance, a beautiful fragrance comes out of it, right. Also from the meaning of, of uh, 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 you know, atib, atayib, it means that which is the best, from everything, right? So, the best from among the men, the best from among the plants, the best from among the women, the best from among the types of foods, the best from among the clothing, right? So, that which is the best from all things, that is also referred to as tayyib, right? The best. Also, 
we have the word At-Tuba which means a goodly a goodly life right a goodly life it also refers to a tree in paradise a tree in paradise so putting all of these things together what is the general meaning of at-tayyib um, it is anything which is good and beautified and wholesome and it is opposed to whatever is khabith and sayyi to whatever is filthy right filthy and evil right so you have uh, imra'atun tayyiba right you have a as as we shall come and see like a I will come to that inshallah in a short while so we see in the Quran Allah Zawajal he says wala tatabaddalu al-khabitha bit-tayyib do not change or swap the that which is tayyib good and wholesome with that which is khabith and likewise the statement of Allah Zawajal wa yuhillu lahum at-tayyibat wa yuharrimu alayhim al-khaba'ith that the messenger he makes lawful for them all the things which are from the good wholesome things and he makes unlawful upon them all those things which are from the khaba'ith the filthy evil the vile things right so putting all of this together now what is the general meaning of tayyib we can summarize it in the following way it is whatever your physical senses find pleasure in your physical senses find pleasure in and which your soul finds pleasure in right that's the basic uh, meaning and then from here we can expand the meaning to apply to many things so we say ardun tayyiba a land which is good meaning that it produces vegetation and fruits and so on and so forth we also say rihun tayyiba a wind which is good meaning a wind which is not strong such that it destroys everything but it is mild and cool and which we find to be good and enjoyable right that brings relief right that brings clouds for example gently and that brings benefit this is rihun tayyiba and likewise you have um uh you know you have imra'atun tayyiba which is a pure wholesome woman right this is a woman who protects herself protects her chastity and she remains chaste she protects her uh, you know chastity and her um, uh, modesty and uh, you know this is called a imra'atun uh, tayyiba a wholesome pure woman and so we see what tayyibatu litayyibin that the pure wholesome women are for the pure wholesome men and likewise we have baldatun uh, tayyiba a good wholesome city meaning a city which is secure and safe and has lots of goodness this is mentioned in the, in the Quran baldatun tayyibatun wa rabbun ghafur right a, a wholesome nice city and a lord that is forgiving so these are and we also have a new number of the other the, like phrases but from all of this you can now understand the meaning of um the word tayyiba likewise when you make tayammum turbatun tayyiba fatayammamu sa'idan tayyiba when you make tayammum the, the verse says find some pure wholesome uh, dust with which to make tayammum so putting these two together now linguistically um al-hayatu at-tayyiba al-hayatu at-tayyiba then it basically means having a al-hayatu al-hasana ghayru al-khabitha to have a good beautiful uh, enjoyable pleasurable life as opposed to one which is khabitha one which is vile one which is you know uh, uh, you know uh, horrible and so on and so forth right so so far we've discussed only the linguistic meanings the linguistic meaning of life 
and the linguistic meaning of what is tayyib. Now we are going to move inshallah ta'ala and we're going to look into the meaning of life, al-hayat and uh, you know that which is tayyib in the Qur'an specifically. And when we look through the ayat of the Qur'an that speak about this topic, then we will benefit um, in many ways. Uh, and from those ways is that we will, we will benefit in the sense that this will increase our iman in Allah Azawajal, and it will also increase our firmness in tawheed, in Allah's right to be worshipped alone, because in the Qur'an the issue of life and the issue of death is mentioned frequently as being from the signs of Allah Azawajal. These are from the great signs of Allah Azawajal, life itself and death, and how both of these are created things. And there are many, many ayat in the Qur'an that elaborate upon, which explain to us the reality of life. So, so we'll begin this uh, section. So, what is life as explained in the Sharia? Then, first of all, life is a gift from Allah Azza wa Jal. Life is a gift. Hibatun min Allah Ta'ala. And death is the original state of creation. Right? So before you and I existed, there was a, there was a stage where we existed as death. Now we were dead. Right? So death is an actual thing. It's not just the opposite of life. Right? It's, it's an actual thing. Just as life is an actual thing. And what brings that which is dead into life is water. Right? So water is a component of life. And so Allah Zawajal is the creator of life, is the Khaliqul Hayat, meaning He creates the, the, the thing known as life. But he also is the one who creates its means. From them is water. And he's also the one who actually bestows life as a gift. He is the bestower of life as a gift. <coughs> and as for all of the secrets of life, then only Allah Azawajal knows. Right? So we only know certain things about life. For example, we know that life, we require water. We must breathe. We must eat. We must drink. And we know like the, the physical mechanisms of, of life in the body. But there are some things that we don't really understand. Like for example, the soul. The soul is part and parcel of life. Without a soul, there is no life. But what is the soul? Well, we don't know what the soul is. We don't really know what the soul is. So we have you know, a, a degree of knowledge about life based upon what Allah Azawajal has basically has told us in the, in the Qur'an. So, um, so in the Quran, when we reflect upon the various ayat, then these ayat are draw, drawing our attention to the fact that Allah is able to give life to that which is dead. He's able to give life to that which is dead, and there are many there are many types of examples in the Quran that we shall look at uh, shortly, inshallah ta'ala. So Allah is able to give life to that which is dead. And the purpose behind all of this in the Qur'an is to make us realize that Allah is going to resurrect us after death. Right? So just like He's able to give life to that which is dead, and there are examples of this that we see around us, this is an evidence in the, in the Qur'an to point, to point our uh, attention to the fact that He will resurrect us after we are made to die. So, in a general sense, we see all around us um, the cycle of life and death taking place all the time, and whether that be humans dying and new humans being born, whether that be the vegetation on the earth, we see it becoming dry and withering away and you know being destroyed, and the earth appears to be dead, and then it you know revives again. All of these are cycles of life and death that we keep seeing around us 
where something without life, which is jamad, inanimate, and then it, you know, is given life. Where, where does this come from? How does this happen? Right? So the, the Quran is drawing our attention and our senses to see and observe all of this taking place around us to show that there is one who is the originator of life. So, this means that life only has one source. It is Allah Azza wa Jal. Right? The only source of life is Allah Azza wa Jal. And if we reflect upon the verse, the first, the ayah Ayatul Kursi, the first part of that verse, as we mentioned earlier, Allahu la ilaha illahu al hayyul qayyum. Reflect upon these two names. These are two, the great names of Allah Azza wa Jal. Al hayy, Allah is the ever living with perfect life. And he is Al-Qayyum, the one who maintains the existence of everything else. Right? So on the one hand, he is Al-Hay, he is ever living, and he does not depend upon anything for his life. Right? Yet he is the one who gives life to others. And he is Al-Qayyum, which means that he maintains their life. He is the one who maintains and supports their life. So for example, as we as, as as we just mentioned, we cannot live without the sun. There is no life without the sun. And there is no life without water. And there is no life without air. Without these things, we would be dead. And Allah Jal is the placer, the one who placed all of these affairs. So He is Al-Qayyum. He is the one who maintains and continues to allow us to exist by way of these mechanisms and means. Right? So he is, so he is Al-Hay on the one hand, and he is Al-Qayyum who maintains the life of everything else uh, besides him. Imam Al-Tabari, so meaning, so, so therefore he is the only originator of, of life. Imam Al-Tabari, rahimullah, he says, as for his statement, Al-Hay, then it means that he has eternal life and a life which has no beginning and nor does it have any end. And as for everything besides him, even though it has life, then its life has a beginning, awwalun mahdud, a defined beginning and an end, an end which has like a certain extension. It will end when its time comes to an end. Right, so this is the difference between the eternal, everlasting life of Allah Zawajal and that those things to which Allah Zawajal Himself, you know, gives life because He is Al uh, Al Qayyum. Now, also as we mentioned, that death is also a real thing. Death is a state which is the original state of creation. We know this because Allah Azawajal, He said at the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, كَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَكُنْتُمْ أَمْوَاتًا فَأَحْيَاكُمْ How can you disbelieve in Allah when you were dead and then He gave you life? Right. So this is a proof now that every person was dead and then He was given life. What is the meaning of this? The meaning of this is, as explained by Ibn Abbas and Ibn Mas'ud, is that one of the meanings is that you were non-existent and you didn't, did not have life before you were created and then he gave you life. This is one meaning. And there are other meanings um, which are summarized and the most sound of them is that the first death, it refers to when we were in the womb as a nutfa and as a alaqa and as a mudra, right? So basically the first 120 days of your life in your mother's womb, basically you were dead. In other words, you did not have a soul. You were not living. And then Allah Jal, He put life into you when you were in the womb after 120 days. And then after that, you obviously you develop and you grow as a, a fetus and you are given birth to, and then you continue to grow, and eventually you will die. So this now will be the second death. And then after that, Allah will raise you again 
And that will be the life after death. Right? So there is death for the first 120 days. Then there is life, your life, in the womb and outside the womb. Then there is death again. And then there will be life after that when you will be resurrected. And so this explanation here, it's an explanation of Ibn Abbas, Qatada, Muqatil, Al-Farra, Tha'lab, Az-Zajaj, Ibn Qutayba, Ibn Al-Ambari, and, and numerous others. Um, likewise, Ibn Kathir, he says that Al-Halul Awwal, the first state that people were, upon, were upon, which is non-existence, this is referred to as death as well. Right? So non-existence, just physically not existing, this can also be referred to as death as well. And <coughs> so basically this is how Allah has decreed death to be. Death can mean non-existence, but it can also be something existing, existing but not having life. Right? So this table does not have life. <coughs> this table does not have a soul. This table does not have the ability to know, nor does this table have, the, have any power to act. Right? So from those previous definitions of life, we can see that some things are dead. They are dead. And there are, you know, things which have, which have, which, which have life. Um, so this then is the meaning of al-hayat, which is life. And, uh, in the Quran, Allah explains why He has created life and death. And so he says, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةِ لِيَبُلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْغَفُورِ He is the one who created life and death in order to test you to see which of you is best indeed. And indeed he is Al-Aziz, the mighty, and he is Al-Ghafoor, the one who is oft, uh, oft forgiving. Um, I want to summarize the rest of the material here because it's time for prayer. Uh, inshallah, we'll finish off and uh, stop for Salatul Isha, inshallah ta'ala. Before we do that, let me quickly summarize the rest of the, 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 the lesson. So, basically then, life and death, we've now established what is the meaning of life and what is death. And life is the opposite of death. And death is also a created thing, as we clearly see in the Qur'an. الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاتِ The one who created death, and the one who created life. So death can either be just non-existence, physical non-existence, or death can be where you are something which doesn't have what is life. So that can be, for example, a table which is dead. All these things are dead, they have no life. Or it can mean... As we explained, the first 120 days of your life in the womb, where you are not really living because the soul hasn't been breathed into you. That is also a, a stage of death, according to the, the Mufassirin. Right? So, death is the opposite of life, and Allah is the one who bestows as a gift life upon things. How does He do this? Then, Allah has obviously created ways and means and mechanisms and from them is water. Water is a mechanism for life. وَجَعَلْنَا مِنَ الْمَاءِ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ حَيْءٍ And we made out of water or from water every living thing. Will they then not believe? And Qatada said, every living thing is made of water. So this means that water is a means of, of life. It's something which, you know, life requires water. And... Uh, at tabari mentions, um, uh, he goes on to explain uh, in his uh, commentary that, you know, how can, we, how can we say that things like plants and trees and, you know, how can these have life when we say that they don't have life, meaning that they don't have a soul? So at tabari says, basically his explanation is that there are some things that life, you know, has a number of levels of meaning. Life is not just one thing. So there are some things which have souls, and there are other things which do not have souls. Right? So a plant does not have a soul, but it has life. Humans, and likewise, you know, uh, animals, they have souls, and they are living things as well. Right? So life isn't just something which has a soul, it can be those things without a soul. 
So the point being, let me just summarize now, is that life is a secret from the secrets of Allah Azza wa Jal. We know certain things about it, and there are other things that we do not know. From those things that we do, do know about life, is that life, all of it, is uh, comes out of water, or requires water. And likewise, you know, we need to breathe, we need to, need to have air, we need to consume uh, food, we need to have uh, drink, and there are certain things that take place, all of this is life. And then there are different types of life, different types of life for an insect, for example. And an insect doesn't really have flowing blood like humans have, right? So the scholars, some of them, they make a distinction about uh, things where the blood flows freely and those which where the blood does not flow freely, right? Like very small organisms. And then there are plants as well. Plants do not have souls. So the point being, life is takes on different forms, have different levels for different things, and Allah Azawajal is the one who created uh, all of that. Alright, so I want to uh, stop then on an argument in the Qur'an for the Tawheed of Allah Azawajal, which is a proof that only He has the right to be worshipped. So in this ayah, Allah Azawajal, He says, وَاتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِهِ آلِهَةً لَا يَخْلُقُونَ شَيْئًا وَهُمْ يُخْلَقُونَ وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ لِأَنفُسِهِمْ ضَرًّا وَلَا نَفْعًا وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ مَوْتًا وَلَا حَيَاتًا وَلَا نُشُورًا In this ayah there are seven, seven evidences that Allah alone has the right to be worshipped. Seven proofs. There are seven proofs in this verse. This verse is in Surah Al-Furqan, the 25th surah, verse number, number 3. So what does it say? Allah he says, And they have taken besides him, meaning besides Allah, gods, things that they worship, which cannot create anything, they cannot create anything, and they themselves are created. They themselves are created. So first of all, they cannot create anything, and they themselves are created. And they are not able to control. وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ They do not have the ability to bring about harm. Right? Or to repel repel harm or bring about harm. Or to bring about benefit. Nor, are, nor do they have any power or control over death. And nor life. And nor resurrection. Right? All of these are evidences that Allah Azawajal alone has the right to be worshipped. Why? Because, first of all, all creatures are themselves created. They do not create themselves. Right? And they do not have any independent control to bring about benefit for themselves or to repel harm from themselves. If they did, nobody would ever fall ill. Right? Nobody would ever fall ill. Nobody would ever die. But, but clearly mankind does not have that ability. He doesn't have the independent ability to repel harm or to bring benefit. Nor does he have the power over death. Right? And nor life. And nor resurrection. So all of this is clear evidence that Allah alone is the one who is worthy of a worship. There are numerous other things here as well. I'll quickly just mention them. The story of Ibrahim salam and Nimrud. When Ibrahim salam he said that indeed my Lord is the one who gives life and the one who takes life. That story is mentioned here, uh, affirming Allah's rububiyyah. And likewise, there are five examples in the Quran which Allah mentions where he resurrected people from the dead. He actually made people die and brought them back to life, and he made people to witness and observe this physically, so that they know that Allah is the one who can revive people after death. Very quickly, example number one, uh, a few of them are in Surah Al-Baqarah. Um, first example is when some of the Bani Israel said to Musa al-Islam, we're not, going, we're not going to believe you unless Allah shows himself to us. So Allah caused them to die. Just like that. And then he raised them back again. ثُمَّ بَعَثْنَاكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَوْتِكُمْ لَأَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ And then he brought, gave them life again. 
so that they may able to believe and be grateful. This is one example that Musa Islam he was made to see with his eyes. Second example was that amongst Bani Israel there was a murder that took place and this murder, because they didn't know who was the murderer, it led to a huge split amongst the Bani Israel. And Allah was going to show them a way how they can find out who the murderer was. So he told them to sacrifice a cow, right? A, a cow with a certain, you know, qualities and so forth. And they were very reluctant to do that. So then they kept asking, well, what color should it be? How old should it be? And eventually when they did, you know, slaughter it, Allah he told them to take uh, uh, a part of the slaughtered cow and to place it to to uh, place it on the dead person. That dead person then came back to life, and then he told them who was the murderer, right? And this ended the huge dispute between the Bani Israel. This is the second example also mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah. Third example is a group of people. فَقَالَ لَهُمُ اللَّهُ مُوتُوا ثُمَّ a group of people, they fled from a city because they feared death. And the scholars say it could be maybe it was a plague or something and they didn't want to die. So Allah caused all of them to die. And then He raised them again. To show them that even if they try to escape death, they will not escape, you know, they, they cannot escape death. The fourth example is the example which is said to be that of Uzair and this, this, um, the man who passed by a city. And it was all demolished and he said, who is going to raise this city? And so Allah will caused him to die for a hundred years. And so this is the, the story of Uzair, it is said, and Jerusalem, when Jerusalem was destroyed uh, by the, you know, the Babylonian uh, king. Right? So he was brought back to life. And finally, the, uh, the, 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 what Ibrahim al-Islam, what he did, when he wanted to see Allah's power and have certainty in his faith, so he was told to take birds and to slaughter those birds, and to cut them into pieces, and put them in different places. And then Allah you know, He brought them back to life, and brought, brought them back to Him. These are five actual examples where the dead were brought back to life. And also, of course, Isa a.s. by the miracles that Allah performed through him, He brought the dead back to life as well. All of this shows that Allah he showed to certain specific people in the creation, not everybody, that he can revive the dead after causing them to die. As for everybody else, then the evidence that we see is the evidence all around us in the creation. Right? The earth being dead, lifeless. And he brings the rain and he brings it back to life. Right? These are signs and ayat of Allah that we can see. Right, that, that which tell us that Allah Zawajal, that He will more certainly resurrect us after death because we see this process in our life all the time. Um, so, there are numerous verses in the Quran that mention this, and then we lo- move on to the final point, then, which is from all of this, from all of this, the life of this world is temporary and it is very short. And the life of the hereafter is eternal and it is very long. Right? So, the life in this world, it is nothing but play and amusement. That's all it is. But for the person who wants real life and true life and wholesome life, which can be enjoyed and which is beneficial, then that life is the life of iman and righteous deeds. Al-iman wal amal salih This is what gives you the life that we were describing earlier on. If you do not have this, then all life is going to be is laibun walahu. It is just a play and it is, you know, idle. It is, it is a waste and just an amusement and a play. And so what we want to do then, inshallah ta'ala, is in the rest of the lessons we want to understand, uh, in more detail, uh, this goodly life, what it is, and before we can do that, we need to understand the dunya or the world. What is the world? What is the reality of the world? And so this is going to be the next lesson or the next chapter, which is how has Allah explained to us the dunya? This dunya, what is this dunya? What is its reality? Right? So with that, we'll conclude our lesson there for today. So for today we discussed 
the definition of hayat, life, the definition of tayyibah, linguistically and likewise in the sharia, what these words mean, right? We understand that life is a gift from Allah Azawajal, and it can take on many different forms, and Allah is the creator of life and death, these are real things, and Allah bestows life in order to test people to see which of them are best in deeds. And He also brings them guidance, and gives them guidance to that which will give them true life, eternal life in the hereafter and true life in this world. And that is what we're going to explore inshallah ta'ala uh, in the lessons that will follow. So that's the end of today's lesson. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.